You are listening to the Ebony Covering Black America Podcast Network, presented by Walmart. In November of 2018, I participated in an event called NaNoWriMo, National Novel Writing Month. And it's a month where people all around the world take part in writing a 50,000 word novel. And uh, you can write a novel or you can write a biography. You can write whatever you want. And I chose to write a satirical memoir and I named it Dungeons and Durags. One black nerd's epic quest of self-discovery, racial identity, and crisis of faith in Trump's America. And it was going to book that was going to, in a comical, commentary sort of way, highlight some of the various emotional journeys that I was going through at the time as I watched all these freaking Trump supporters that I thought I knew say and do some of the crazy shit I would have never expected these friends to do. And I spent the next mm, two plus some odd years uh, writing this book. I got to the 50,000 word mark goal for that NaNoWriMo 2018, so I was excited about that. I think I got to like 52,000 something. And then I finished my first draft a little bit in the following year, uh, coming in at around 90,000 words. And after some editing, I got it back down to 78,000. And now, as of this podcast release on May 17th, 2022, I am excited to announce that my book is now officially released. And I will probably use a later episode or a bonus episode to go into the details of the making of the book because I think there are some fun stories there. But that's not what I want to do here because what I want to do is use this episode, episode 15 of the Dungeons and Dragons podcast to give any of you who may be new to the podcast because you saw the book come out a primer on just sort of like what the book and what this podcast is about, which is, you know, my journey essentially as a black man uh, reconnecting with my blackness, for lack of a better word, after spending my entire adult life in a predominantly non-black world, uh, in a predominantly white world. And I thought the best way to do that would be to pick the moments on this podcast um, over this past season since we officially launched in November that really captures the essence of not only what the show is about, but what my life and journey has been about. Because it's been about this comical quest I've been on with my two besties, J.D. and Yolanda, who were both extremely encouraging during the writing of my book. They show up in the book. I tell stories about our friendship in the book and the impact that they had on me as my two closest black friends. And for the longest time, my only black friends. And how we explore uh, together in our unique way my journey into blackness as they poke fun about the various aspects of the black community that I either don't know or I don't know as well as I probably should. And as we 
engage in our unique way of interaction and discussion and debate. And I think if you haven't heard any of the episodes on this podcast, and this is your first time listening to it, consider this like a, a primer. Is it primer or primer? I, I never really know. The excerpts from the podcast that I picked are some of the best, and it's a, really a great compliment to the book. So if you picked up the book, thank you. And if you're curious as to like what's this podcast about or what's this Ron Dawson character like that you're reading about, this podcast will give you a great insight into that. And so without further ado, let me introduce you to essentially the best of season one of Dungeons and Durags so far. And I think there's no better way to kick it off than kind of like the conversation that started it all. A conversation that I had with JD and Yolanda way back probably in early 2018. Actually, yeah, it wasn't early 2018. I was already in the process of writing the book and I wanted to do some research, some black research. <laughs> and I wanted to conduct this research by pledging a, an undergrad black fraternity. I've since come to learn that an utterly ridiculous idea. And any of you who are in the Greek life, if you're listening to this, you're probably busting right now at the mere mention of the fact. But at the time, I was totally ignorant. And how ignorant I was, was really made clear when I had a conversation with Jade and Yolanda about this idea I had, which was to not only pledge a black fraternity, but to make sort of like a documentary slash reality TV show about it. And like cameras following me, follow me. Which again, if you're in Greek life, you know that would be utterly impossible feat. And then JD telling me via text messages how ridiculous an idea that was and me not understanding why it was so ridiculous and him saying, we need to talk about this on a phone because he wasn't about to explain everything over Slack. And so this is the conversation that we recorded. And we always record our conversations because we had already been podcasting for something else and our conversations always make for great podcast fodder. So this was technically the first recorded Dungeons and Durags conversation. We just didn't know at the time it was going to be for Dungeons and Durags, the podcast. Um, so here is, for lack of a better word, the very first Dungeons and Durags recording. See you on the other side. As soon as you get online, they start... Just full out punch you in the chest as hard as they can. And you you get online, what does that mean? Huh? When you get online, like computer online? Oh my god. Conversation is over. Just know this, Ron. Just know this. You, oh you are very ill prepared. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. You Conversation is over. Oh, oh, god. oh you mean. <laughs> Oh my, oh my god. god. Yeah. Oh my god. I can't run. I'm, I'm like. <laughs> I mean, this conversation is going to last five hours if your point of. If we're yeah. starting from what is online mean. That is the dumbest shit I've heard all year. I said, I'm going to pledge. 
What does online mean? <laughs> wow. Dude, I love you, man. Uh -huh. It's hard to love you sometimes. You make it real hard. Hey, I'm not planning. I'm not planning. I'm not planning. I know what it's about. Get out of here, bro. <laughs> Hey, hold on, hold on. I'm not finding anything online about online. Oh my god. You gotta make you Wait, hold on. Wait, quote this. I know quote this shit though, dude. Are you recording? Please tell me you're recording. It's recording, yes. I'm not finding anything online. Oh my god. Oh my god. I'm about to cry. This is hilarious. Nigga, Ron, mm -hmm. if you are pledging, that means you're online. You're online. You pledge your online. You're online. You're... Dude. Oh, my God. Ron, I'm telling you right now. It's... I have never in my life pledged. <laughs> Dude, this oh is God. really, really embarrassing, man. This is really. You obviously you have no. You, yeah, you obviously you had no contact with niggas at college. Yeah, did you have any black friends in college? Actually, I, I didn't. That's a, was one of the points of the book. Yeah, Ron. Dude, this is you your strongest chapter right now. This is your strongest chapter. Yeah, you got to put it somewhere in there. But it's, it's going to be embarrassing. Right. Nigga's going to be laughing at you like we are. But it's golden. But it's gold. It's golden. This is perfect. You can add fucking lines. This is the definition of your book. <laughs> you come on with them. And do that. I think... One of the aspects of this podcast that has been the most fun as made for some of the funniest uh, sound bites are those moments where in the uh, recording of a episode that has nothing to do with one thing, something is revealed that was totally unplanned that kind of goes off on its own <laughs> direction. And it's usually something related to some aspect of the black culture I didn't know. And that was this case when uh, we were talking about, oh, I know what, we were talking about um, disraps. And I was, somehow I was like making a connection between how the disrap phenomena was sort of like a microcosm of the black community in general and then jd started talking about how it's kind of related to the crabs in the barrel mentality mentality uh, and chances are if you're a black person uh you know what crabs in a barrel means i'll just leave it at that that's the setup for this next segment you're going to hear when uh this conversation came up and a completely different conversation about something else and it led to, well, you listen for yourself. Because uh, there's also the crab and barrel phenomenon with black culture as well. And I the think what? that's crabs, crabs in a barrel. barrel. Crabs in a barrel? What's that? Yeah. yeah. Are you familiar with you? Are you familiar oh my God. Or... What's that? Crabs nigga, in a barrel. Turns, if this turns into an online conversation again, nigga, Ron, we about to revoke your black card. This black card has not been. Dude, yeah, we returned. haven't even issued it yet. Yeah, we have not issued it yet. We're still, the jury's still out on whether we should. Please give you, tell me. You are know you that shitting reference. me? Please tell me you're joking. Please tell me this is for conversation's sake. 
Oh my God, this nigga does not, has never heard of crabs in a barrel. Have you not heard of crabs in a oh my barrel? God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Get this Lord. onion never stops getting peeled back. Are you crazy? And tell me you're bullshitting. Tell me you're bullshitting right now. Good Lord, Jesus. Is we it need like to start from the beginning? Oh my God! Oh my God! <laughs> we need to take you back. I need to, to the call. Road. I need to call to the ancestors <laughs> to give me help and strength. I know. It just some spiritual guidance right now, because this brother. Good dude. Lord Jesus in heaven. Is Bless like, his heart. Is it like shooting oh fish in Wait, a fish this... bowl? No. Oh <laughs> Don't be shooting God. fish in a barrel. First of all, get your metaphors correct. But oh my God. No. Oh my God, Jesus. Oh, uh. wow. this is, oh I'm in, can I back out of this podcast deal? I'm like really legitimately embarrassed to be on this show right now. <laughs> you have to be kidding. Are you just fucking around for content? No, he's no. not. He's not. Okay. He doesn't know crabs Ooh, in a barrel. Dude. Okay. So, Ron, here's the thing. Hold on. It's getting hot. If you put a bunch of crabs. If you put a bunch of crabs in, in a barrel, barrel, they fight each other. They try and climb no. out. They're oh. trying to get out. Okay. And when they get to highest, the ones from below will reach up and pull them down. So they yes. never get out okay. of the barrel. Okay, it's self-destructive. It? So right, what I'm I saying is there's metaphor. a there's so a popular the colloquialism adage. is crabs in a barrel mm -hmm. where people won't people will pull other people down even though they might be saving themselves. Like it's, it's right. like they're fighting themselves, but it's called crabs in a barrel. Okay. So what does that have to do with whether or not I have a black card? The fact that you've never heard that expression, use a black culture is similar to what does online mean? Uh, <laughs> so, yes. so are you saying I'm looking that, online uh, and I don't see anything online about are you, online. Are you saying specifically that crabs in barrel as Grown out of the black American diaspora. It's yes. Don't yes. ask, it's, no, brother. Just yeah. don't ask. Yeah. Just trust Stop. us. I, yeah. I, just, I'm just trusting trust. you. No, no. I think I think it can apply to other races and cultures, but it's yes. extremely common to be referred to in the black culture Community, because it happens yes. so often. It's like mm -hmm. a brother will Even get up. Even white so people use it, Ron. Yeah. Even white people okay. use it to talk about black people. Yes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. You're okay. behind. Like, instead of trying to pledge a black fraternity, this you is need to go back to, to, to college and just pledge a, a, a African American HBCU. studies class. Yeah, go to HBCU and pledge an African American you, studies uh, class. Is that where you first learned about Crabs and Barrow? No. No. Right. I knew about that shit from elementary school. I heard my white mother talking about it. Okay. And my black kinfolk around me. So I, okay, I mean, so back to the back to topic. the back to the topic at hand, as uh, at hand. Snoop would say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So by this time, between the the conversation about online and crabs in the barrel, again, if this is your first time either listening to this podcast, you're thinking like, "What is up with his brother?" And I'll get it. I get it. I totally get it. My hope is by the time you've listened to the other podcasts, the episodes uh, on the show, or you've read the book, you'll realize that, you know what? Uh, I commend Ron for being able to, one, put himself out there like that uh, and, and be cloud and have a bunch of brothers and sisters laughing at him because I have a sincere desire 
to reconnect with the black community in a way that I just haven't in like over 20 plus years as an adult. And, um, but in that process, there's an aspect of me where like I'm very competitive and it was just, it was really bothering me about this whole crabs and barrel thing because I literally had not heard that phrase. And so I started asking shortly after that whole interview, um, interchange, I started asking every guest, every black guest we had, had they heard the term <laughs> crabs in the barrel. Uh, and one of our early guests was my friend and colleague, Frederick Van Johnson. He and I have a very similar life in that he also was a black man who was frequently the only black person in his circle of either friends or colleagues. He's in marketing, like him in marketing marketing in the tech world like I was. And, and so I invited him on the show. He was a visual artist, a photographer. I was a filmmaker. That's how we first met. So I invited him on the show to kind of talk about his experiences. And so naturally I brought up the whole crabs in a barrel thing. Bring it up, bring it up. That's I'm, why I brought it up. Bring it oh, up. I, I, get, I get, I need wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Wait. Before you say it, I will, get, I will put $10 on it right now that he will understand and I've heard this phrase. I will. Okay. Okay. Fact, I'll, Okay. Do but I here, put hundred on it? Should I put hundred on it, Yolanda? No. Here's Should I the put hundred on it. Wow. Here's, uh oh, it's pressure. <laughs> no, no, no. It's not. No. Trust me, bro. Trust me. Trust me. It's no pressure at all. Trust but here, me. okay. But JD, you'll be like, what? Here's the thing. Ten dollars, Ron. Ten dollars on T it right now. No. I, I want to make it a friendly one, bet. One I don't, don't want to shame you. One Bitcoin, like Ron. <laughs> I don't want to shame you like that. We're gonna make it a friendly bet, just so we can keep the, just the a, conversation moving. Just a friendly but, bet. But here's the thing. Oh, now we got now we got all kind of explanations going thing, on. Now. Well, stipulations uh -oh, happening, <laughs> benchmarks and shit. No, let him just, just ask the question, Ron. Ask him if he heard the price. Prohibited, did not were available by law. <laughs> I I will ask the question, but there's right. one follow up question that's really important, okay. and that is which is the level of connectivity between the term in question you know, and its lost. You connection lost. to the black community. Because I just think all right. Dude, anyway, you already, so, man, you so, are really struggling. All right, now. Frederick, 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 what does the term <laughs> crabs in a barrel mean to you? Wait, 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 oh. no, no, no. Frederick, yes. have you ever heard that term? No. Have you ever heard no. that term? I've used that term in talk before. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Ron had never heard that term. We said, we said crabs in a barrel. I was like, what are you talking about? What? That's like, nigga. Wow. Wow. Second so I define the term. Right. He said he not use the phrase, yo. I should have bet $100. I should have bet Listen. a thousand. I want Listen. Bitcoin. I want to bet some Bitcoin. All right. See, here's, I told you what one Bitcoin. Yeah. Here's, this, here's the second. Here's this follow-up question. And I think this is more apropos. This will try. This is Ron trying to fix it and curve no. the conversation no. now. Curve no. it. Oh. Curve it back around no. so he no. has all kind of logistical reasons why he just have never heard that phrase. Right. Listen, listen. This is the follow-up question. I like wait, how he breaks down to it. I like how he breaks down. He's like, listen, listen, this is the which follow up. Which is question. more this is more apropos to the topic of this podcast. Not whether or not I've heard the term. Okay. Yeah, the, the, right. Here's the issue. The issue is the level of black egregiousness for not knowing the term. JD is putting it on the level. All right, so I didn't know what the term online meant, which is. <laughs> well, do you know what be that specific. means? Be, and when it comes to black fraternities, Frederick, do you know what online you, well, means? You just gave it away now. 
If he no, didn't, then. you, we were talking oh. about black fraternities and you don't know what it was. We had a whole conversation about it. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Do you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, we had an hour long conversation yes. about black fraternities. And then you and then we said online, like, what does that mean? See, Ron, I'm on your side because I don't know. Uh, yes. Uh oh. You both are catching side eye. I'm UCSB, man. Side eye. Which, which actually, hold on. Which actually, wait, where did you go to? Wait, where did you go to school for? UC Santa Barbara. UC Santa Barbara. That makes sense. That makes, yeah. Okay. I totally get it. I totally get it. They might not even have a black frat up there in Santa Barbara. Which actually, but wait a second. Wait, time out, time out. Wait, wait. If you go to a school where there's no black frat, then that's understandable. Ron went to Berkeley. They have fraternities there. They got no. black fraternities. Oh, okay. now All who's right. now who's backtracking? No, 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 I'm just saying. Now I'm who's just backtracking? Saying, if you ask somebody, hey, have you ever seen an airplane and never been to an airport before? That's understandable. But, but if you stand in an airport and you don't know what an airplane is, you get yeah. excited. So we had a real fun exchange with Frederick, and uh, you know, as you heard there, I kind of felt like. JD and Yolanda, particularly JD, was kind of light on Frederick. Like they kind of were going easy on him based on his lack of knowledge of the term online. Like he knew what Crabs and Burrow was. And so uh, as a bonus, sort of like a post credits sequence for that episode, I wanted to confront JD about that. And, uh, but we got into this thing where. The history of us podcasting, we've had all these technical issues, usually on JD's side. And uh, that was happening again here. And we had one of our most infamous exchanges about uh, me muting him because uh, their audios were overlapping. Here, here you go. It's, it's classic uh, Dawson and Cochran f fanfare. <laughs> Because uh, I, I did say, say you guys are, are no, echoing. Don't say trip because you weren't there. I did clown a little bit. What we clown Ron on is being black and not having her. Yes, not that he went to a school, whether it had a black frat there or not. Blah blah blah. It was just in the red Kool Aid. Jump on over to the purple. Now you guys are both muted. JD, you're muted. I can't hear you. Uh, JD, that's the... Why do you keep turning me off? Well, because you guys were muting. You uh, guys were echoing over nigga, each other. You keep... Now, Mr. Correct All, that's the way you do name. This nigga shot me off and complained on you. Interesting. Wait, say that again? You're, I'm you're... saying you cut me off, and then you're complaining that I'm mute. I wasn't complaining. JD, I wasn't complaining. I was. What were you doing? You said JD, you're you're on mute. You're that's on not complaining. That's not complaining. Okay, that's... you're correct. JD, correct yourself because you're not in proper formation right now. No. I need you to go. But you muted me. I had to because you guys were echoing over each other. Okay. Well, then can't you? Uh, if you can mute me, can you no, unmute me? No, I can't. Oh, I can only hit. It's, that's how it works. It says you can ask the person to unmute. Very telling. Oh yeah, yeah that's very telling. But that's all right. Great. Okay. So you just mute a nigga and be like, oh, Jenny, let me just correct you for a second. You're muted right the, now. Like, yeah, nigga, because you keep the muted. woman from Santa Clarita. Go ahead. Who wasn't at the meeting. Okay. Who wasn't at the meeting? I don't Go understand ahead. why we have this sound problem that we used to not have. So, okay. Yeah, all right. Go all. back to the topic. Go back to the topic. No, that's dumb. No, but, Go back to the topic. No, but you're on. I want to hear your point. You were saying you would have clowned him if you were there. We, I didn't get to hear what you were no, saying. No, let him finish his. Let him finish his. I don't want her to comment on it. 
Um, dear listener, if you're hearing this, um, what you're not hearing is the fact that JD's talking, but he's muted. Did you mute? Quit fucking muting me. You keep muting me and then complain. I don't have the thing that shows that I get muted. You keep muting me and then start commenting that I'm muted. No. Stop muting me. You were already muted. No, I unmuted it and then here it goes muted again. You're anyway, so you're unmuted. I just now. unmuted it like a minute ago and then now I'm muted again. Nigga, am I still muted? <laughs> Quit muting me. Damn. I'm only muting now. you when you guys are talking over each other in the okay. echo. Okay. I'm not, but Ron, that mute, it goes away. So I don't know that I'm muted. It disappears. I understand that. And so okay. that's, why, that's why I verbally tell you, you can now. Then you know what you, know what you need to do, nigga? I need you to get a little sign that you can hold up next to your head and say, unmute. Yeah. So when I when I hold this up, that means unmute. Yeah. Okay. And when I hold this up, that means quit <laughs> muting me. He's holding up his middle finger. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. What Finish I'm your saying, point. Yeah. If I can, for the yes, empty of time now. Please. When he said that, I looked at him. I said, oh, Frederick, I'm starting to, you catch a little side from me. And I said some weird little comment. But I didn't go in him like I went on you because he is our guest. He's the you are the host. And it wasn't even he wasn't even presenting me a business plan or business model about going undercover for pledging a black frat. He just said he didn't know about it. And I still gave him a little grief, but I didn't want to True. dig all up into him because he's okay. the guest. But That's I didn't let point. it just go over my head. I didn't let it just fly over my head and True. I didn't say anything. And I would I would argue that Yolanda probably would have been tame too. I'm not saying she wouldn't have said anything, but I'm not going to sit there and be the half hour comedy show slamming <laughs> Frederick because he doesn't know what pledging is. But I did look, I did say a comment. You, did I not? You did. Yeah. Okay. Did. So now, so now that you misled Yolanda and saying, I told you that just fly over and, and was oblivious to it. Let's now we can she, proceed. Let's hear what she, well, I want to hear what she was going to say. So she can unmute herself and you can mute. I would have said, dude, how do you not know that? And you should also know, like, this is an interesting topic because according to JD's mom, you need to re-edit the podcast because we were too hard on you. <laughs> ridiculous. That's my white mother. My white mother said that. So if we have an opportunity to re-edit, it should be redone because JD yes. and I were outside of the box and have ruined it because we were she too hard on you. Trying to take over his own podcast. <laughs> Why are you clowning so much? <laughs> you gotta unmute. I'm holding up the sign. As I shared, I started asking all of our black guests, you know, had they heard the term crabs in the barrel? And one of our early guests uh, was on episode three, another favorite of mine, and it was FD Signifier. Now, this brother has, a, uh, has been really blowing up on YouTube. He does these um, video essays about the black, uh, about black culture, particularly as it relates to black males. And we had him on for our crabs and crabs in a barrel. Our well, it was sort of like our uh, uh, Squid Game episode. It was called um, Crabs, Squids, or no, Squids, Crabs, and Barrels. Oh my! And uh, the first part of that episode was about crabs in a barrel, and we had an opportunity to ask FD, you know, you know, as a brother who's steeped in black culture, he does video essays about it. I want to find out what was worse, uh, not knowing what online meant or 
not knowing crabs in barrel from a black person's perspective. And because Yolanda was swearing up and down that she thought it was worse that I didn't know what crabs in a barrel meant. And I kind of felt like it was worse that I didn't know what online meant. So this is how this went down. What do you think is more egregious for a black man not to know? The term online. Crabs in a barrel. Oh, shit. See? Why? Crabs in a barrel. Why do you question me? Why do you always question why me? Do you, why do you say that? If you haven't been at a around black fraternities, right, which is the vast majority probably of black people, you may have seen like somebody in a shirt. Like I'm in a fraternity. Yeah. So you may have seen somebody in her shirt. I right. would see my brother's shirt when I grew up. Right. But I didn't know what online meant till I got to college. Okay. At, okay. at, a, at a college with a lot of fraternity, black fraternities. Right, right, right. Crabs in the barrel means that you you had to not black a lot growing <laughs> right. up. So it's like to not know crabs in the barrel means you had to have actively avoided being around <laughs> black people, especially older black people, okay, a lot. No, I've heard it. I don't know it. I know. Yeah, it's just you know, because at some point in time, you're gonna put your mama, you know, arm and say, "What does crabs in the barrel mean, mom?" Right. And then they and then they give you a long explanation, possibly yep. some Louis Farrakhan quotes. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So, Aaron, as our white contestant, where did you first hear the term crabs in the barrel? I don't, because I'm sitting here as a white guy. Like, how did I learn? Like, I watch a lot of television. Doing this, like, this is on the wire. Or, you know, like Stringer is trying to explain something about what's going on in Baltimore and he's crabs in a barrel. I'm like, hey, that sounds weird. I had no idea it was a it was a black expression. Well, it's probably not a black expression. It's probably just an expression very popular among black people because yes. it, yeah. it's been used to describe. I, I actually don't like the the term as a whole because I feel like it's 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 oversimplified. It oversimplifies. It's kind of anti, it, it, it ends up becoming anti-black in the way it's used. Yeah. yeah. Because it just like, yeah, crabs in the barrel, that's the problem. It's like, oh, it, you know, the crabs are in the barrel because they were caught and trapped and they're going to get cooked. <laughs> right. That's probably a bigger part of the equation. So that last person you heard was uh, Aaron Hubbard, and he's one of the co-podcasters and co-creators of the very popular podcast bald move and they do a bunch of television recaps and movie recaps and reviews and whatnot and i had him on because uh ostensibly to ask him some questions about uh his faith journey because it was similar to mine but i also wanted to have him participate in our squid game episode which was uh a combination of Looking back at the origin of the crabs in a barrel debate and then getting into the sort of DIY version of Squid Game. Uh, the name of the episode was uh, Squids, Crabs, and Barrels, Oh My. It was episode three. And if you remember Squid Game, it uh, was one of the most popular shows, if not the most popular show on Netflix last year. And a premise of the show was the contestants in this uh, game to the death we're playing these nostalgic childhood games. And if you lost the game, you would be killed. That's not a spoiler. That's a premise. And so I sort of did this DIY version where I had uh, uh, FD signifier, JD and Yolanda, and, and Aaron participate in this nostalgic game that was based on 70s black sitcoms. Uh, now, if you don't know, Aaron is white, 
and he was killing it in this game. Like the one white dude was beating all the black people. Uh, well, he and Yolanda kept were like neck and neck. And the way the game ended was, I thought, uh, created for one of my most uh, one of my most favorite uh, moments on the show. But uh, it had kind of a twist to it. So uh, take a listen. The winner, barely squeaking in with one point, is Mr. A.A. Ron. Let's give a hand for... Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I can't. I can't. You can't. Nice. What a game. What a game. That, that, that was fun. But, just like in Squid Game, what you thought was the end wasn't. And also like Squid Game, there was a devious plot twist that was revealed to our players. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So I, I have something to confess. Yeah. I gave Aaron the answers ahead. <laughs> 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 Yeah, I was like, I was like, okay, the the white guy's going to cheat the win, so you know. <laughs> I felt bad. I just got noses TV. The thing I'm, is, I would have gotten a few. I would have gotten a few of those right because I did watch a lot of this growing up. You yeah, know? and I'm, uh, I took it for it just as like, oh, this cat watches TV. He watches a lot of TV. Yeah, it's a good goof. So there's two reasons why he did it. One, to kind of represent the benefits that the white man gets over other people in the country. So I wanted to build that into the game. Nice, nice. It was also an allusion to that plot line in Squid Game where the doctor was being fed all the... He was being told ahead of time what the the upcoming games were. So it was also an allusion to that. Right, right, yes. So it had a double meaning. So, Aaron, when I... When I DM'd you that answer and I told you that, what, what were your thoughts? What were you thinking? I thought you was like, okay, you're doing, you're giving the white guy the answers to a bunch of black sitcom trivia, and <laughs> it's gonna be a goof. <laughs> because, because you're like, you're like, look at this document and play it cool. I'm like, all right, okay, <laughs> it's Rod Show. <laughs> you actually played it cooler than I expected you to. You, I try, to, I try to know how to work. Yeah. 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 I feel bad because I feel like Feek was like ready to turn in his black card or something. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> this is all. This is all. This is all the performance all enhancing the setup. information all the setup. I've gotten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And I would like to point out. Yes. That the black woman <laughs> almost beat the white man who had all the answers. <laughs> that that all right. Right. Yeah. That's genuinely right. impressive. Holy cow. Yes. That's such a comment on real life. Yes, it is. Like, I still think that's so cool. It gives me chills when I think about how that turned out. One of the topics that continues to come up in my conversations with JD and Yolanda are these experiences in the black community that happen in a certain time frame or a certain time period that, you know, as JD puts it, if you're not there... If you weren't there when it happens, you just don't get it. And, you know, there are some things that happened in the black diaspora that I, quote unquote, wasn't there for. 
that I don't necessarily get. And one of the things was where you were when Cube dropped no Vaseline after, you know, his ex um, bandmates at uh, NWA were dissing him and everyone was wondering what Cube was going to do. And then he dropped no Vaseline. And this is how JD described it and his explanation as to why he feels so strongly about No Vaseline being a better diss track and diss rap than um, Hit Him Up. You're still way off on that, but I understand because you weren't around half the time. So you, I mean, well, I, it's it, like it, someone, it's someone, someone who is unaware of what they're talking about. So I get it. I get it. Because Cube had a whole bunch to say, and he kept saying he could have spoke for, you know, 15 more minutes. Right. And everything was just, it was like one big haymaker landing after another. And I was like, good Lord, this dude demolished them. I find this very interesting because Isaac, you're, you're obviously a little bit younger than I am. Mm-hmm. And Ron was not into hip hop or rap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hands down, to me, Ice Cube's No Vaseline is the hardest, coldest it is. diss mm. track ever. And the, and the reason why is because you got to remember at the time, NWA was the biggest act on the planet. Holy. And then Cube left because they were dissing him mm-hmm. and wanted him to sign some crazy contract. Yeah. And then so he left the group. He's going to let every bygones be bygones. Cool. Mm-hmm. We were friends. We broke bread. Now I'm on my own. Sure, sure. Then they came back and dissed him. Yeah. And so then he's like, oh, okay, it's how it is. <laughs> and then and then the crazy thing is on um, when you got the, the CD, the, it's not even on the, the CD. You don't know that that track's there. Right. So you play the CD and me and my buddies were listening. I remember I was at USC. We're all oh, you mean it's not, it's not on the jacket. It's not the on the it's not. You don't know it's on the CD. And so it. then exactly. and so then you're listening to the whole thing. Like, and we got to the end of what was of the last song. Listen, oh man, he didn't go in on NWA. Oh, he's soft or oh, whatever. And then it's like <laughs> he's like, Oh, wait, hold up. I forgot something. Oh man. Hot damn, y'all done went and set it off. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, we were just it was like being at the party. Oh, all man. up there, all over the house. It was and everything oh he said in that God. track was real. I mean, yeah. it, it, it was so oh, cold blooded that he got Dr. Dre so mad. Dr. Dre beat up D Barnes at a club. He like beat her up and threw her down some stairs because she had the audacity to interview Cube after that song came out. That diss right. track was everywhere. Everybody's, mm-hmm. oh my God, do you see how he clowned it? Oh, man. No, the, in the history of diss tracks, no one has ever had that yeah. type of. But if you weren't in that moment, you wouldn't know it. You already know how the drama goes. I'm always trying to find another word that rhyme with flows. No pun intended, but I'm cold like a runny nose. That clip you just heard was part of our Who's Dis episode, episode four. And one of the guests in that episode was Isaac Dietz. Um, he's this white dude who is an amazing filmmaker, and he's in the music videos for some of the um, biggest names in Christian rap and hip hop, uh, you know, like Lecrae and you know, a bunch of others. And, you know, he's definitely one of the coolest white dudes on the planet. Like, and he kind of has like a reverse life to, to mine. Like he grew up predominantly in black communities in Atlanta and whatnot. And, but he's also this like really deep, Dude, like he does a lot of reading about stuff and he brings all that into his filmmaking and he just he just goes to these deep places. And so in that episode, he was talking about how he looks at hip hop and explaining 
what resonates with him with regards to uh, disraps and distracts and whatnot. And I thought this was, you know, just a little taste of the deepness of Isaac Dietz. Deep Dietz. The one thing that's really cool about hip hop, like really getting into it is uh, like it's present. It's like presence of yeah. what's happening right now. And so like with that, like I would love to be in that room, you know, like when you first heard that or in that car, Oh I would God. love to be that because I know that he's talking about things that like I can't know because I didn't live in that time right. of, like you know meeting with the president all that stuff it's like but if you're con if you're aware of your reality and then uh the a, a rapper will hit every thing that you're like wow they're pulling in pop culture and they're pulling in you know and that's why I think like for me Killshot uh like I said, I'm not like a big diss track as much, but like Killshot was something where I actually got to live through like the day it came out. Yeah. And I got to hear like, oh, he's talking about like pop culture things. Like he's saying, you sound like you get ba babysat by Lil Tay. And Lil Tay is like this like YouTuber, TikToker kind of thing. <laughs> and it's like now Lil Tay is like nobody's talking about Lil Tay anymore. Right. You know, so it's like you kind of have to hit them when they come out. Mm -hmm. But so it's like the one that I'm going to relate to the most is the one that I actually felt like I was part of. Mm -hmm. um, same with like diss track or like, you know, just freestyle ciphers, like on 106 and park, like, uh, like just once somebody says something, they create the present moment that they could respond to. And so like everyone is aware of the reality that they're going to pull from. And that's why it's like so fun to watch like in real time. So continuing with my veritable ignorance on the intricacies of the hip-hop community and world there was a bonus episode we did for the super bowl because there was all these big uh, musical names like dre and snoop and eminem and whatnot who performed and what was interesting was a conversation that we had about uh, 50 cent and his performance and I think I'll just let you listen to it. And I think it kind of speaks, <laughs> it speaks for itself. As you guys probably know, the Super Bowl was this past Sunday. And as we probably know. <laughs> yes, right. as we might know. As you guys follow the whole football thing. And I thought it was very interesting. So there was this big, half, you know, big halftime show with... All the stars. Let me see. So there was Snoop, Dre, Kendrick Lamar, Mary Eminem, J. and Mary J. Blige. With 50 Cent. And 50 Cent. What was up with 50 Cent coming down upside down? That's from his video. What? Wow. wow. I can understand you saying it. That's from his video. His first video when he came out, he was upside down. He, they were training him in a lab. Him and him and it, Dr. Dre and him and him was creating him in a lab. Why are you cracking up? He don't y'all. I didn't know that. Yeah, well, you made that painfully clear. I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously, you wouldn't know that. Yeah. Does the how, average how could you but possibly this, this, know that, Ron? How the, could you possibly know that? Does the average person know that that's his first video? I mean, it was one of 50's biggest hits, and that was his what video. What song was it? I mean, it was such a big hit. It was the one he sang. <laughs> okay. Uh, it was a... Uh, um, Hold on. Yeah, in the club. 
Okay. Dun, dun, oh. Dun, dun, oh, when he's saying on Sunday. Yes. Uh, the one he was the hanging upside down hanging on. Yes. Down. That was his uh, rendition yes. of his video. Yes, that one. Okay. I have to go look it up. Yeah. Yeah, go it's, ahead and Google it yeah. like you need to do <laughs> yeah. frequently. Now, you probably should have researched this before we got on the... Well, I didn't know we were going to be talking about 50 Cent hanging upside down. You said the Super well, Bowl halftime show. Time show. What are we like, supposed to talk about? Why would we not be talking I didn't about know it? We were going, I didn't know we could go to details of that particular detail. Like, I didn't know that was such a big detail. What yes. do you mean a big detail? Yeah. I mean... You don't know a lot. <laughs> hanging upside down. That wasn't even the thing I wanted to talk about. The thing I wanted to talk about was... said you not black a lot. Yes. Oh, because I didn't know that 50 Cent's first yeah. video. Yes. That was your dude. When that came out... I know the song. Huge. I actually do know that song. In the club? Yeah. I mean, I can't sing it, but I do know the song. Uh, yes. Okay. Okay. But, so yeah, it's weird that I'm you obviously questioning the video. I'm obviously not you familiar with. I'm obviously not familiar with the video. Obviously. I know the song. Yeah. I'm, oh, you've seen Quite every. Video. Matter of fact, let's, you've let's seen. Go to YouTube no, you've no, seen. Keep talking. Keep look talking. At, so you've seen every video of every song you've ever heard. No, we're not talking about that. Come on. Now we're getting to uh, seventh no, grade. No. No. Oh, what do you say? You do. You did every video. Every... <laughs> It's Shut not up. unusual to see a video of a very, like a, a popular song, song. that was popular. Sure. I don't, I don't part that. for multiple weeks. That's not uncommon for anybody. I, I'd give you that. I'll give you that. But it's, it's also not, not uncommon not to have done it. You know what I mean? According to who? Just in general. Mm-hmm. You know? Ron... I'm just saying, you know, it only has 1,370,000,000 views. So, you know, not everybody's seen it, but yeah, an eighth of the planet has seen it. But yeah, it's a minuscule little video that nobody <laughs> ever saw. Go on and laugh at us because we're so in the, I love, in the know. I love how you put words in my mouth that I never said. I never said it was a okay. little video. I just said, I've never seen it. That was your impression. That no, was your thing. Your whole point was, your whole point was oh, I'm supposed it. to know not this. People, oh. Not many people have seen it. Just only, you know, only Harry, people, more people have seen Harry Potter, but that's about it. I read more Harry Potter. But other <laughs> than that, yeah, nobody's seen it. You know, again, um, I, it never ceases to surprise myself what I like. Like, what I allow to come out on this show. But, you know, it's all in fun. It is what it is. This is how I look at it. Like, you know, that was just the life I had. That was, and I'm trying to make up for it. And so I can laugh at myself and have fun with some of this stuff. One of the aspects of my journey that is, uh, I think, tantamount to everything that I'm going through is not only reconnecting with the black community, but is the evolution that my faith, my Christian faith, has been going through over the past 10 years or so. Uh, it all started actually probably back in 2011 when my ex-wife was hit by a car and, and then some of the ramifications of that particular event. But specifically since 2016 and the election of Trump, and the evangelical support of him is really through what was already a deconstructing faith further into evolution. 
and and sort of like a crisis of faith. And so we've had a number of guests on to kind of share their experiences or to provide some counsel and um, insight into my own journey. So, you know, I mentioned to you earlier about Aaron as part of the one of the co-founders of the Bald Mood podcast, having him on to talk about his particular faith journey. So here's a clip from that episode. This is we use this clip in our episode five, Happy Birthday, White Jesus. And this is him sharing a little bit about his faith journey. So then is it that you don't believe in him or it or her or whatever? Yeah, I don't, I guess I don't have an active belief in God. I'm mm -hmm. not, I th I still think I'm spiritual. I'm certainly, I feel like I'm more spiritual than like my co-host Jim, mm -hmm. uh, more open to like, you know, um, experiences that can't strictly be explained. Right. But I also like, that's a big thing to me. Like, you know, there's a, a, a God, an act of God that wants me to live a certain way. Like that's, that's, that's a pretty bold claim. And I need some, a, a lot of, a lot of proof and, and more than just, you know, cause that's the other thing is like, I have studied the Bible. Like I'm one of them Christians that have read the Bible straight through a couple of times. Yeah. I'm the same and, way. And yeah. And like, that's, oh man, it's, it's probably an eternal frustration with you too. The fact that like the loud, loudest Christians among us are the least Christ-like and probably read the Bible the least and have right. zero doubt in their mind that they're right. Like that's like, I, whereas I've always been racked with doubt and not sure and my whole life, so. Another guest that we had on that happy birthday white Jesus episode was uh, Reverend Dr. Robert A. Turner a pastor at the time out of uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. I think he's in Washington, D.C. now. And uh, this was a pastor that we discovered from like a Vice short film documentary where every day he would go out on this street corner and with a bullhorn preaching about reparations for black people. So we had him on to talk about that. But I also took the opportunity just to ask him about his thoughts and feedback on my own personal faith journey and had these wise words to share about what it means to be a Christian. Just about how to deconstruct without even using like evangelism speak, which is what the church is really good at. That's, that's what we, 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 we know how to come get you. <laughs> now, after we get you, we don't know what to do with you, but sometimes but we, 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 we specialize in going to get people. Um, and, and, and so, but so that's a great, 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 great clarifier for my response. But no, I would just say in that process, not even sounding preaching, but I, I will use a colloquial term in our community that you probably have heard by now or not. We'll but, as you as you jettison uh, some of your previous beliefs to not throw the baby out with the bathwater. I haven't you know? heard that one. Yes. You have? Yes. <laughs> oh good. <laughs> yeah, all right. Look at God. Look at God. <laughs> so yeah, that's right. So we also say another phrase, you probably heard this hopefully by now. Um, you know, learn how to chew the meat and spit out the bones. Yeah. I say all that to say this. The body of Christ, um, Christians as we like to call ourselves, and Christians Really, that term, that category rises above denominations. I mean, just breaking down at the root level, I mean, it just describes somebody that is Christ-like, Christian. It doesn't say you are Methodist or Baptist or Catholic or Protestant. It just says you are somebody 
that's trying to be Christ-like. They don't have to say you're a member of a church, but if you're trying to be like Jesus Christ, then you are Christian. You know, the I-A-N at the end of a word describes, you know, like that person. And so you can definitely be considered a Christian and have no church membership. Mm -hmm. Don't allow for religion to replace or represent relationship. You know, some people have a are very religious, very religious, but don't have any relationship with the right. person they claim they believe. They are not Christ-like, they're church-like. We got a lot of churchians <laughs> and not a lot of Christians. It's so far removed from the basic teachings that, that, that the church was about up until it became established with power, with position, also, you know, because pride. And, and and arrogance mm -hmm. and, and and there's no no check on people who don't have any accountability as you going through whatever stage you're going through keep the first things first i hope we can get dr turner on again he uh, that's one cool brother and i feel like he's somebody who has uh, a view on the world that a lot of people should should uh, listen to uh, we'll probably definitely have, if we ever do like a reparations episode, uh, our whole conversation with him about that was, was spot on. Speaking of reparations, it goes without saying that on this show, we had conversations around uh, Black History Month. And when Black History Month hit, we talked to people about that. We talked to people about the N-word and why is it that black people can say it and white people can't. And one person we talked to was uh, a friend and uh, fellow filmmaking colleague, Salima Karoma, who had uh, directed the documentary uh, about uh, Black Wall Street. It was the 100-year anniversary last year, and she had directed a PBS documentary about that. Or I think it was a CNN documentary. And we had her on to talk about Squid Game because she actually used to, she used to run a K-pop website and i interviewed interviewed her years ago about that but in this documentary she had made about asian rappers called bad rap and another podcast that i do called crossing 180 i interviewed her about just her career and whatnot and we started talking about use of the n-word and there was this is a clip from that conversation that i put into our n-word episode nigga lover was the name of that episode here was my conversation with uh salima <laughs> Okay, my, my big gripe about the N-word recently is mm -hmm. I remember <laughs> I remember when I was younger and like we'd read, I don't know if it was like Huckleberry Finn or whatever these, you know, yeah. white books that had, you know, nigger in them. Right. And like, we'd have to read out loud and like people would just say, I think they would just say nigger, I think, yeah. or me, you know? And like as a kid, I'm just like, yeah, okay, cool. You know, we read right. that. And my gripe now is that I think the, you're not allowed to read them out loud. This is my old, old conservative for, you know, <laughs> right. person. And they're just like, you can't say that. You can't read. And I'm just like, for me, I'm just like, no, this is what y'all used to say. You face what y'all used to say and say it out loud. So you guys know it. And this is what your history was. That's what I want. Don't sanitize it. So, so, wow. you know, that's how I feel about the history of, yeah, Mark Twain wrote that shit. Yeah. The people in his book used to talk like that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's your history, and this is you having to face it, mm -hmm. right? So, like, I, if we frame it that way, and if like if we could all get on board with that, then I think. But then you know, 
yeah so that's how i feel about that um how would you and- feel about close non-black friends saying hey what's up my <laughs> nigga <laughs> what do you feel about that you know that's evolved as well because back in the day it used to be okay mm. when you know back then when i didn't care because i didn't use that word you know right. i was a kid you know yeah, I was yeah. kid, you know latinos used to use it south asians right and, and I, I no i'm not i'm not i don't think i'm cool with it right mm-hmm. i'm also not at the same time i'm when people like <laughs> Okay, so did you see the Tammy, Tammy, is it Tammy Rivera or Tammy Roman clip that came out? Yes. That... <laughs> We're opening our episode with that clip, actually. Yeah. She's like, you you can't say it either. You're Latina. <laughs> it was so funny because the person she was talking to was like, was like, trying to stand up for it like yeah. trying she was trying to school the white dude who's saying it and then she got schooled <laughs> um i it seems like from your response that in your gut's telling you that you're not cool with it that my gut is telling me i'm not cool with it yes yeah, yeah. i also am in, um having i don't know if I have an issue with i don't think about it too much but the sort of nitpickiness of like okay can you say it with, okay wait, where are you from where are you from? You gotta, you gotta, you're black in you how much? Okay, yeah, you cool, you cool, you cool. Right? Like, yes. I don't come with like that thing. Right. That's cool. So, yeah. So, all those clips you've heard are clips and podcasts, episodes that we have aired, but there are a couple of conversations that we've recorded that we haven't aired yet. Either the episode hasn't played yet, or for some reason we we edited an episode and we decided not to air it. And so one of the things that we're planning to do is, probably like in celebration of the book coming out, is go to Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. If you're in the Los Angeles area, Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles is famous. If you live in the LA area and you have not gone to Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles, you, one could make the argument that you should have your black card revoked in order to preserve my black card or to uh, ensure that my application for it is not rejected. Uh, we're planning a field trip for me to go to Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles for the first time because I've never been. And there are no shortage of conversations between me and these two about the fact that I haven't been to Roscoe's yet. But here is an excerpt from one of those conversations about mac and cheese that I thought would be fun to share. So consider this sort of like a a peak at which you can plan to hear in future episodes or in a future episode of the show. Now to set this scene up, as we're talking about going to Roscoe's and their menu, JD is talking about the menu and, you know, the number three, the number four, whatever, all the different items on the menu. And he starts describing it. And he gets to the point where he says, for one of the main dishes he always gets, he gets the one that mac and cheese. That's the setup. You can hear what I ask him and what transpires after that. Again, classic Ron, JD, and Yolanda discussion. Is it baked mac and cheese? Candy yams. Huh? Is it baked mac and cheese? How else do you make mac and cheese? Yeah. 
How else do you make mac and cheese? Yes. How else? Please explain to me. Someone fries. You, someone fries mac and cheese. Cheese. They fry the cheese man. in a pan. How else do you make yes. mac and cheese? Riddle me do this. You re- do you really need me to explain? Yes. Yes. Please. Yes. Yes. Please explain. Because it. then I'm going to tell you about yourself. Right. Tell me how else you make <laughs> mac and cheese. I want to just get like a black eye and tell put like superimpose a black eye over you make Ron's mac face. And cheese. <laughs> so blood comes out your mouth. I'm going to tell you. You about to tell me about some shit you boil on the stove and put some powder in? And Technically, that is together. Oh yes. my god! You know I, what yes. that is? That's I don't eat white people. I don't eat that. That hurts you, that dude. So why I would don't... you bring it up? Why because, would you bring it up? Because I know you that. Now you're going to talk about how white people dance. No. Oh well, technically, yeah, white That's people do do. Yeah, but... I'm saying because it it exists. I personally so like. Do you think that's cheese. what they do at Roscoe's? You think they're gonna get? You think they're gonna go to uh, Ralph's? Let me tell you something. They're gonna go to Ralph's and get some damn white folk mac and cheese Black and boil it. That's will what you think? Slap your ass yes. right now to suggest that you're I'm not even suggesting mac and cheese and actually call it mac and cheese, but you're not baking it. <laughs> this. This podcast is a podcast that just keeps on giving. <laughs> I mean, His brother's digging a hole in China. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, keep... time out. Time out. Another I time out. He needs another I time out. I don't eat mac and cheese like that. When I eat mac and cheese, I eat baked mac and cheese. So you were trying to bring up the argument for what? A technicality? Even... A persnickety thing? Like what? No. Uh, he thinks that other mac and cheese is legitimate mac and cheese. No, I don't. I don't think of it one way or another. I don't you judge do, it. You do, because you ask, is it. it baked? I don't judge it. Is it baked? Is what baked? Mac and cheese. You said baked you can, mac and cheese? You can have mac and is cheese baked? baked? Mac and cheese? You can have mac and, and cheese you baked? Know, else how, else Here's how another else question, Yolanda. Listen. Here's another question. You can have are mac the and greens, <laughs> Yolanda, are the greens boiled or do they eat them raw? They just eat it. How are the greens prepared? You the can, greens are baked. You can have mac and cheese. Uh, they don't have them raw? Let me finish. You, you can have mac and cheese baked, or you can have mac and cheese the way you explained. That Whether not or not, just because you don't eat it that way doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Like, I and I understand at a. Hey, you starting to sound like Rittenhouse's defense. You start trying to get off on technicalities. <laughs> at an establishment like Roscoe's. I want you to walk into. I don't need so, to. I would never so ask. So you have them. to ask. So uh, we, no, we're never, no, we need to ask them about right, some mac and cheese right, that's not baked. Right. See we need to. Right. Right. So here's our goal. To. When Ron goes, so everybody listen to this podcast. We're gonna take Ron to Ross. It's gonna be another this episode. Is your new crabs. He's got to do. He's got to ask. He's got to ask about baked chicken, and he's also got to ask about mac and cheese being boiled. Here's the problem. Be a microwave. You ask about some microwave mac and cheese. Yeah, yeah. Boiled. Here's the problem. Microwave or boiled mac and cheese. Here's the problem. It's a baked chicken when he goes to Roscoe's. You guys. And he's got to refuse everything else. Listen. Excuse me, Garcon. I prefer some baked chicken with my with my boiled mac and cheese with the powder. Can you put the powder in there? Here's the problem. I'm gonna film and I'm gonna film the waitress's face when you ask that question. Here's the problem. You two, yeah. yeah are, here's the problem. You two are conflating. <laughs> we're the problem. Yeah, I know. You we're think the problem. We're the problem. We're, the problem. we're the problem. We're the problem. The problem now is you guys <laughs> right. don't shut up. Shut the problem. Up. Yeah, we're the problem. <laughs> I'm gonna turn on the mute button. Mute you guys. All the people out there, yeah. <laughs> they just start waving his little towel. You think right. we're the problem. <laughs> you think we're the problem. Yeah. <laughs> Which is your problem? <laughs> <laughs>
Next up is another deleted scene from what was episode nine. We don't need no justification. And it was an episode that commemorated the uh, nomination of Kentaji Brown Jackson uh, as the first black woman nominated for the Supreme Court. And at the time, she wasn't yet confirmed. And uh, Yolanda actually produced that and was the main host for that episode. She did a great job. And there was a part of the show where she is introducing some of the information she found during her research for the episode. And she found out some information about Constance Baker Motley, who was the first black woman to actually argue in front of the Supreme Court. And at one point, she was considered to be a partner for this law firm, and she was passed over because she was black. But as Yolanda is reading this information, uh, at first, J.D. was asking for some um, confirmation, not confirmation, for some clarification, some of the information. And then I was asking for some clarification on some stats that Yolanda had given. And this turned into the infamous 9 of 10 debate. Again, uh, we never aired it, mainly because we felt like due to the seriousness of the topic, we didn't diminish from all the work that Yolanda had put into it. But now that we are a few episodes past it, Water Under the Bridge, um, Kentaji Brown-Jackson has been uh, confirmed, and we're all good there. I thought that this would be a f fun uh, deleted scene, deleted uh, clip to include. And that, again, just really perfectly encapsulates the special uh, relationship I have with uh, the Cochrans. So here's the infamous nine of 10 debate. She um, graduated from NYU and Columbia Law School and a Wall Street firm offered her a job interview based on her stellar academic record, mm -hmm. but they wouldn't even meet with her when she showed up for the appointment and she was black. So hmm. she ended up working for the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. Wait, what? With Thurgood Marshall. They offered her a job, but wouldn't show up for the, or wanted her? They offered her a job interview based on her stellar record. But they, they didn't know she was black at the yes, time? Got it. You black. missed that. You didn't say that part, so I didn't know. She, well, she's, so she's talking about a black woman. I know, but I'm saying she didn't say that they didn't know she was black. I, didn't, oh, I missed that. Okay. She showed up right. for the because she was black. I didn't know that. I didn't okay. know that. Part you kind of left out or grief. Okay. I mean, that's the whole I think point. It was in, I think it was insinuated that yeah, they didn't know. I know. It's I'm implied. Just, I want to be clear for everybody out there. It's like they didn't know that she was black because it just sounded weird. Like they offered her a job and then once she showed up, they turned her up, turned yeah. her down. It's no, they didn't offer her a job. They offered her I mean, uh, the opportunity you know I mean. to. The damn interview. The, yes, the interview. Yeah. She argued in front of the Supreme Court on mm -hmm. multiple occasions. She won nine out of the 10 cases she argued there. Wow. She also um, drafted briefs for Brown versus Board of Education. All right, time out. Quick question. When you say she won nine out of 10, did she argue 10 cases and she won those nine out of those 10? Or do you mean like 90% of the cases she argued she won? Is it clear? What's the difference? Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was implied. Since we're talking about implications, she I thought it was implied. Nine nigga. out of ten cases and nine divided by ten no, is the difference the difference is an implication of how many 
Has she gone to the Supreme Court dozens and dozens of times and she won 90% of those? Or cases in front of the Supreme Court What'd and you say? won nine of them. That's my question. That's all I'm asking. He's telling That's exactly you. exactly what I said. <laughs> no. She told you that. All right. Do you guys not understand what I'm saying? I understand what I you're totally saying. Was it 100 cases? Was it 1,000? She said but she won nine out of 10 cases argued in front of the Supreme Court. And my. My point. Period. What is listen, ten cases, mean, Ron? Listen. What are listen. ten cases? Are ten hundred cases? Let me finish. The phrase, the phrase nine out of ten, whatever, is also um, synonymous with saying ninety percent of the cases. So you can say, such and such won nine out of the ten cases. Nine out of ten cases that they, you know, tried, they won. So they could have tried 100 cases, and that means 90% of the cases. So you can use that phrase to mean... But I not, said what, nine of the 10 cases. That, right, I didn't hear the the part. That's why I was yeah, asking. Yeah, you're having the same hearing problem that JD's having. Apparently. I don't have a hearing problem. Now you're saying you didn't hear the the word or whatever. But sometimes you might have heard the the word and still have to... I can still see you asking the exact same motherfucking question, but, but okay. whether you heard the the or not. Anyway. That's a Ronism. I want to hear the I want to hear the rest of the article. Anyway, or the rest of the part you were planning to read. This is gonna totally suck. What is? <laughs> I ain't gonna get. I don't. I don't start throwing bricks and stones in my house and get mad. Last but not least is an excerpt from a debate that I can only say is. Uh, one of the strangest and stress-filled um, back-and-forth conversations I've had with these two over my 25-plus year friendship with them. And it was all over a debate we had about who was more well-known amongst people in general. Uh, uh, Richard Williams, the famous father of Venus and Serena, or Nina Simone. Because uh, this is right around the time that the movie King Richard was coming out. Yolanda had made the comment that Will Smith didn't put on any quote-unquote blackface to play uh, Richard Williams the way that Zoe Saldana kind of put on blackface to play Nina Simone because it was very controversial. And I had made the comment, well... Um, something along the lines, well, I think more people know Nina Simone and the Richard than Richard Williams. She disagreed. We got into this long debate. And then we had this literally a day-long back-and-forth debate over Slack and whatnot. It got really ugly. Not ugly. Ugly is not a good word. It got really heated. And we had a conversation about it. As always, we recorded it. I made it into an episode. For a lot of different reasons, we decided not to air the episode. But this, what I'm about to play you, is what would have been the end of the episode. So this is kind of like a deleted scene, so to speak, that kind of encapsulates the end of that episode that was never aired. But it also captures the essence of our friendship and our relationship and this weird dynamic we have, and also just the role that I play on this show and in this book in terms of 
like laying my shit bare, as I like to say. And to finally set up this piece, what we're talking about here is a survey that I put together that I shared on social media asking my followers who they knew more, uh, Richard Williams or Nia Simone. And, and the way I set it up kind of uh, was leading the question, so to speak. At least that's how JD and Yolanda felt. Because the survey came back with more people knowing uh, Nina Simone. So I felt like this was one time on the show where I was right. But they felt strongly that I kind of was leading the witness, as it were, in the way I worded it in terms of um, sharing the survey. So they kind of felt like I was stacking the deck in the way that I shared it. And it frankly just kind of like really annoyed Yolanda. And I think for JD and I, you know, it was just another day for us in terms of the things we debate about. So that's the setup for this discussion that we had. So here is the infamous end of debate discussion about King Richard versus Queen Nina. I put myself on this show, embarrassed myself to no end, Letting you guys laugh at me, literally, for minutes on end, to the point where JD's mother is like, poor Ron, you gotta change the show. I don't think I have ever given the impression that I have an issue with being one, made fun of, or two, proven wrong. I The way I edited the last episode of The Squid Game makes anyone listening to that believe that Ron was wrong about crabs in a barrel. I even said in the thing, I have to acknowledge the fact that I think I'm wrong about crabs in the barrel. So I think I have shown to both of you over the past four years, I'm not the kind of person who needs to be proven right or wrong. I like to prove myself right or wrong. I think you still have that desire, yes. I absolutely do. I own that. I, I, I even said that on the first episode. I said, um, maybe that's something I have to process in therapy. I talk about how when I was a kid, I did that kind of shit. But I'm saying, I, eventually I get to the point where, okay, I think I'm wrong about something. I'm like, okay, mea culpa, I'm wrong. I can take it. So, yes, this was a case where after mac and cheese debate, online debate, crabs and barrel debate, it seemed like there was a glimmer of hope that this time I quote unquote won. So, yes, I was gleeful. That's why I shared it. But I was sharing it in fun. It wasn't like I wasn't being vindictive in me sharing it. And it's so ha 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 funny. I don't find it funny, actually. You don't None find None of it. I have not found any of it funny. I wasn't laughing at you or at you guys. I was laughing at us because this is what we do. I mean, this is what makes the show the show. And this is this is how JD and I have been for 30, almost 30 years. I understand, but here's my but point. Just your typically, response just seems like... No, but typically yes. that is is the foundation of that is fine. But I think in this case, the foundation of it was, from my perspective, I felt like you were putting it in a place of not being fair. And I felt like you were exhibiting behavior that is akin to individuals that I have to deal with. Right. 
who stack the decks against me and in I get, ways that are not fair. Right. And so one, and I, that rubbed me completely I totally get wrong. That. I totally get that. So one, I would just ask as a friend, be open to the fact that maybe one of the reasons why you're responding to this the way you are has nothing really to do with me. Maybe. Okay. Maybe. And but two, what, what, how do you how do you count for JD then? Because JD and I are like that. <laughs> he and I really, even though That's he went, even though That's, he went I mean, outside and went screamed outside at and I, you for an hour. Yolanda, like, Yolanda, he always screams at me. I will go outside often when I'm talking to people because I don't want. I know you're like, shut up, you're too loud. So I just went outside because I knew it was going to be one of those discussions where this knucklehead is not going to listen to me and I have to argue my point. And we're gonna be going back and forth at it. And I know I get loud. I that's the only reason I went outside. But it, I was not in some DefCon Five. This motherfucker offended me. I'm crushed. I can't believe he said some shit. I I, 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 I don't even believe Ron said what he said because he's goofy like that. And I I still think he's off the mark. But you know, uh, just as a point of clarification, DefCon One is the big. But yeah, so, there we go. There we go. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Persnicky. Missing the whole. What's the Bruce Lee line? He smacks a student in the head. You're missing all the heavenly legal. You're losing the whole moon. You're studying the wrong thing. Got it. Thank you, Ron. Thank you for the correct all. So there you have it. Uh, episode 15. And if you haven't already done so, go out and get the book. I think you're really going to enjoy it. We have a lot more um, terrific episodes in store for you. And I just want to thank all of you who have been supportive of the podcast supportive of the book and my journey um, to all the people out there who have ever felt like you don't quite fit in this podcast and this book is for you and i just want you to know that i appreciate you all the dungeons and durex podcast is a production of blade runner media and body and Clyde productions and is part of the ebony covering black america podcast network this episode was written, produced, and edited by yours truly, Ron Dawson. Uh, the scene is getting crowded, I'm a robber always. I don't need your approval, I'ma go my own way. My daddy told me to be first, you finish last place. The world showed me one way, I'ma go my own Special thanks to my black BFFs and podcast peeps, JD and Yolanda Cochran. No relation to Johnny. JD creates and edits our social media audiograms. Hey, Kelly Slater with the way that I write it be, we never falling off. Yeah, revolutionary music, we throwing these bars like a Molotov. Yeah, kill them with kindness, my wisdom, my weapon, my power is truth. I've seen the way that you rap and you live and I know that authentic means nothing to you. Music used in the show was licensed from Artlist as well as Creative Commons songs from freemusicarchive.org. If you like the show, do all those podcasty things that podcasters tell you to do. Rate the show, review the show. Share it with your friends and family. That really helps it to get discovered. And share it with your favorite Trump-supporting family member. I think they would appreciate this show, too. Government trying to build walls, but we out in the culture just tearing them down. So don't believe everything somebody happens to write on the internet. Yeah, any tribe just for independent thinking, buddy, we've been a threat. And let us know what you think. Shoot us an email at podcast at dungeonsanddurags.com. You can even send a voicemail message if you go to our website at dungeonsanddurags.com slash podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Ron Dawson and on Instagram at Blurred Runner. I write about race, religion, creative arts, and business on Medium at rondawson.medium.com. Uh,
You can follow JD on Twitter at that JD Cochran and Yolanda at Rat in a Wheel with all the words separated by underscores. And if you haven't guessed by now, I have completely given up on trying to get her to change her Twitter handle. It just is what it is. That's it for now. Stay safe out there. And remember, having white privilege is not bad. Denying it is. And the absence of biblical certainty, choose love. Until next time. Why my own? Ay, 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 ay. Why my own?